Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. It's F1 Friday, Monza this weekend. Should be a good time. And I don't have much else. I also forgot to text Cody for a trivia question for the second straight week. Last week was his fault. This week was this is totally my fault. But our recording schedule is all messed up because of my travel arrangements. So, Frenchie, let's talk a little bit about Zanvort. Okay, that's it. Zanvort ended. i listen i i think how many weeks in a row i feel like a broken record there's like a few things to talk about red bull was really good mercedes was much improved and ferrari screwed up again am i missing anything that like really happened this weekend um, I mean, there's definitely some more complicated nuances than that, but I would say if you were just to do the Cliff Notes summary, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. So, those are the like the themes of the season for sure. Mattia Bonotto came out and like blubbered through some stuff again about how <laughs> you know it's it's not things aren't that bad. Like you know, stop overreacting to one issue on Science's car. But Mattia is looking at the mic, uh, at the the minute detail. When we are looking at the big picture, I couldn't remember micro versus macro and which one is which. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just painful that every week they screw up at least once. Every week, every week, without fail. This is like this. This to me is worse than Ferrari bungling away. Vettel's 2018 championship hopes. Yeah, did you hear that they kept talking about on the broadcast um, the that Eddie Irvine was there this weekend <laughs> and how they were basically recreating his absolutely terrible pit stop just to, I guess, make him feel at home? Yeah. So, obviously, Max Verstappen won again. He's got 109-point championship lead. Which so it's it's yes. pretty much over. The only two times where it's ever been more than 109, at least in the last, I think the graphic said 12 or 13 years was was Lewis a handful of years ago. He was up by like 113, and it might have been I was Vettel in 2012. I think was up by like 119. No, it can't be 2012 because that was a close season. It must have been yeah. like 20. It was one of the. It was one. It was one of the Vettel yeah, years. Yeah, because. I thought 2012 was one of the seasons where Alonzo got pretty close. I barely, I barely can tell you what I had for breakfast this morning. So, you know, years, years <laughs> don't mean that much to me. So right. o- other than that, I guess kind of the big talking point is after the late safety car for a Yuki Sonoda issue. And don't worry. Which we will talk okay. about. Okay. All right. We will. Because there's there's a little bit more surrounding that. that okay, go on, ahead. It seems like. All right, well, people are accusing Red Bull of basically manufacturing that and it, that it was all a conspiracy. And because he, okay, he had a problem, right? He thought a tire was yeah. loose, I guess, right after a pit stop. So he pulls over and I guess starts to unloosen, like he's losing his seatbelts. And then they're like, no, no, it's good. We saw in the data that your, your car's fine. And so then he gets going again 
goes into the pits and they spend a really long time like checking over everything, whatever. And then he goes out again and feels something definitely wrong, which I think they said might have been a diff issue. I don't yeah, know. Uh, but yeah. then he pulls over to the side, like right before turn one, right before Tarzan, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He pulled over on like the outside. Yeah. So. Yeah. So everybody apparently was hurling abuse at Red Bull's, um, I guess, chief strategist, whose name I believe is Hannah Schmitz. Yes. And it's like, are you kidding? Like, you think that, I mean, that was the wrong point in the race for them to have done that. They would have probably done it earlier if it was really manufactured, first of all. Because, I mean, wasn't Max already pretty much, like, good to go at that yep. point? 100%. Yeah, so, I mean, that for, there's that to consider. And second, he's got how much of a lead in the championship? Like, it's not like it's close. It's not like they have to risk getting kicked out of the, like, excluded from the championship to get him points because it's battle that's, you know, heating up. No, he has, like, 90-something points lead, 100, what you say, 109, 109 points yeah. out after this race. Yeah, so <laughs> making the call for Alpha Tauri to, like, manufacture a safety car or a virtual safety car would just be ludicrous. It makes no sense. But, of course... Uh, people love to, I guess, just criticize and, uh, I guess, armchair quarterback after the race because it, they smelled something fishy that wasn't there. Yeah, I am really glad that, I don't know if it was Red Bull or, I think it might have been the F1 social media. It was like, no, it was a weird uh, differential issue, so please stop. And also for yeah. all the people who were saying mean the nasty things to Han- Hannah. Yeah, I believe that's her name. Yeah, let me find for sure. But I, I mean, so. I know, uh, I've I know exactly what yeah, she looks like because I see her yeah. all the time on the stand. Yeah, and so I I think that's her name. Anyway, stop stop the comments, please. It's kind of kind of mildly incredibly rude. But the other on the on the tail end of that caution was George Russell pretty much telling Mercedes we need soft tires, and kind of leaving Lewis Hamilton out to dry, getting passed quickly by Max Verstappen. I mean, first off, Max timed that pass so well. If you look at, I saw like the data that Max sped up and then let off the throttle right before the start finish line. So he wouldn't get a penalty and then, and then mash the throttle again. Like, I mean, listen, the kid's a little bit of an ass and his father is a giant ass but he put on a masterclass move there. So like, you just have to give credit where credit's due. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think regardless of what Mercedes did with Lewis's strategy, Max would have gotten past like the car is that superior and he's just on another level right now. But I mean, Lewis was clearly very pissed off. That's probably the most pissed off I've heard him in a long time on the radio with the team about, not leaving Russell out, but it was Russell's call to go into the pits and put on softs, which ended up being the correct. Right. And that's, that's what's kind of throwing me off is, well, a, it was Russell's call B if Hamilton and we don't know the radio messages before his tirade, what he was calling for, or if he was calling for anything, but I mean, really this comes down to Lewis's car 
not speaking up and Lewis not speaking up, at least in my opinion. So Lewis has... Yeah, but I don't think it would have made a difference. I think the team made the right decision in letting George put on softs because then you end up with a better result, probably, than both of them being on like worn mediums and just getting probably freight trained by everybody who had just taken a pit stop. Yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying maybe Lewis should have gone on softs too. Oh, definitely. I mean, then he would have probably secured yeah. a podium for sure. He would have been right there with his teammate probably in second, but they were going for a win. And I think they need to admit right now that their car's not there yet. And so the strat- that strategy was never going to work because of the pace difference in the car. So just get the best result you can and go for the smart move, the safer move, and be on the podium. Agreed. I don't think there's too much else other than... What happened to Mick, Sch- what happened to Mick Sch- Schumacher? Do you remember? I have to admit there was a point... I think it was... Or, oh, he had a 13-second pit stop, and that's what sent him back... From you know, starting oh, yeah. in seventh or eighth to where he finished, but I know Mick is he finished Mick's under a 13th. lot of pressure right now. But I'm pretty sure he finished ahead of his teammate again, and I think has been better than K Mag the last three or four races. I think uh, I can look right now and just see. Yeah, I mean. K-Mag's last four races, so he retired in France, and then 16th, 16th, 15th. And Schumacher is 15th, 14th, 17th, 13th. Right, so neither neither actually as impressive as I thought. Anyway, do you have predictions? Yeah, I do have the predictions. Um, I picked Sebastian Vettel, who finished 14th. He actually has looked like the slower of the two Aston Martin drivers, much to my chagrin, uh, after he announced his retirement. And I don't like (laughs) seeing that. Uh, Then we have Esteban Ocon, I picked, who finished ninth, which, compared to his teammate, was pretty weak. And you picked Mick, who finished 13th, but you also had Leclerc, who finished third. So your average finish was eighth. Mine was 11. All right, I'll take that dub. All right. But we had the Q2 challenge or prediction as well. And I picked Gasly, who Again. didn't make it out of Q2, so that I nailed that one. And you had Kevin Magnuson, who went out in Q1. Yeah, well, I still win. Screw you. <laughs> All right, get to the news. <laughs> All right, I wanted to just quickly touch on the Nico Rosberg comments about Ferrari because you had kind of already started mentioning yeah. Mattia Bonotto. Uh, defending the, the team and let's see nico who's a pundit for sky sports said oh my goodness Mattia bonotto keeps saying no no we don't need to make any changes everything is going well when is the day coming it's not possible even formula two teams or f3 teams do a better job at their strategy and pit stops than ferrari you go to the pits and there's no tire there in a normal race at some point they really need to start making some changes and so uh, clearly, Mattia was not exactly happy about that, but his, I don't know, his defense was pretty weak. He just said, I think it's easy when you're outside the paddock to criticize. We've got great people and we're improving day to day, race by race. It was just a bunch of like, you know, standard answers that you would expect him to say that really meant nothing. Yeah. At this point, nothing Mattia says seems remotely believable to me because it's the same <laughs> BS. Every week, 
oh yeah you know we've we've got great guys in the shop and you know we're doing we're doing super <laughs> well you know I, I watched the latest harry potter movie during the race and we forgot to bring the tire out because we were worried about what voldemort was doing that's essentially what i Hey man, the left rear tire is the hardest one to like find in the garage. So like, I don't blame them for it being like twenty to- seconds. Totally, slower. totally. <laughs> it's just like it's just unreal. And I don't know if it's Mattia or people below him, but the fact that this team just continues to trot out the same people every week and expect something different to happen, I just, it's mind numbing. Yeah, I don't normally agree with Nico Rosberg because I most of the time think he's really annoying. But on this case, I really do agree with him. Yeah, because I don't understand why Ferrari keeps saying like, oh, we're making moves to fix it, but we're not seeing that. So what are you actually doing? Uh, There's something really broken in that team. And I don't know if just like getting rid of Mattia or firing certain people will fix that. I but think as a it's start, you got to do something. A, a bigger issue. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but I think rather than like just firing people, you probably should just bring in like some kind of outside person to be an advisor or some kind of consultant, someone who knows how to have success in F1. Because then you can build on what they already have. But I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right, and maybe what they have is just inadequate. Yeah, I, I at this point something needs to change. I know you're not the biggest. No, Mattia I think guy. he's the worst team manager in F1. Let's... Really? Oh, you mean not not like most insufferable, but just yes, like the most not the most definitely not the most insufferable. I mean, he might be second most insufferable, but definitely most incompetent. Really? Okay. Who's the most insufferable? Hmm. Most insufferable. Mike Crack. Is he the team manager? Yeah, Yeah. at Aston Martin. I just wanted to say his name, to be totally honest with you. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I was going to say, because he he hasn't ever said anything controversial that I... I I don't know who the worst is. I mean, it's all... They're all pretty annoying. Outside of like Andreas Seidel, he's kind of like one of the few who like kind of sticks to his guns and doesn't really say stupid stuff. Um, speaking of team principles or like team personnel that appear to have really screwed up, um, let's get into the news that dropped like right after we recorded. Typical. And that was that Oscar Piastri um, is going to McLaren. So Alpine didn't actually have any form of contract with him that was binding in any way. Um, They had been, I guess, just kind of shuffling their feet, not signing him to anything. And that caused his camp with Mark Weber, who I guess is his, um, I don't know, representative, to take a McLaren deal. Because when you don't have anything in writing from Alpine and you know that their strategy is to go shove you in a Williams car for two years... Um, I think it makes sense to take a McLaren deal because even though the Alpine's the better car right now, you're going to take like the one that's guaranteed right there. I think it was a good decision. Honestly, everybody's criticizing him for like leaving the Alpine family when we're watching that car come good. And, you know, the McLaren being 
not so good right now and probably going to lose the fourth place in the constructors championship to them. But I don't know when Alpine is struggling that much or refusing to make any headway on signing you, that probably pisses you off and you just go and sign with another team. I want to disagree with you just to disagree with you, but I I'm not disagreeing with you because you're right. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have much to add other than, I mean, I know Ricardo came out and said like, he's doing the right thing for his F1 career. You know, he's just trying to like play politics and, and keep his name on the, on the good side of the F1 world. But I mean, what do you want? They, he wasn't being signed. Cle- clearly it ended up not only costing Alpine their driver, but also like 500,000 pounds in legal fees so yeah and all the development that they did with piastri as he came up the yep. ladder so i i just i don't understand how you could not it was if you have a case for why piastri is in the wrong here i would be very interested to understand agreed because everyone's painting him as the villain here like oh he's been so unloyal to alpine i'm sorry are you supposed to wait around when you've got a competing contract with a decent team while Alpine shows basically no faith in you and they're going to go put you in a Williams for two years. No, you sign the McLaren contract. Yep. That's the best for you. You got to be selfish as a, a young upcoming it's... F1 driver. I don't see what he did is wrong. I mean, before I was kind of questioning his loyalty, but after this has all come out, no, I mean, Alpine screwed up and Laurent Rossi, the CEO of Alpine, he didn't even show up to the race at Zandvoort. <laughs> He just had Otmar out there like answering questions. I don't even think Otmar was involved really in most of this. Yeah, it's I don't think Piastri is the villain here, but uh, people are going to hate him like as soon as he comes into F1 just because of this. It's very frustrating, but, you know, got to love those super license discussions. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, it looks like. Pierre Gasly is the likely candidate to take that Alpine seat um, that is vacated by both Fernando Alonso and Oscar Piastri. And then his Alpha Tauri seat is supposedly going to. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, they've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Joe. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minterdial a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle, or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. 
The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Go to Colton Herda, which has, I don't know why, really frustrated a lot of people, but I believe Christian Horner said, um, like, Herda is the only choice to replace Gasly in the Red Bull F1 camp. I mean, good for Colton. I know plenty have said, we don't want to see him leave IndyCar, blah, blah, blah. And like, I get it, but I would be really excited to see Colton get it, get an F1 chance. He's extremely talented. He's had some bad luck on some ovals, which aren't, hasn't necessarily even been his fault. You know, he had his first Indy 500. He had some sort of engine failure or, some sort of fire, like literally in the opening, yeah, really early opening on five yeah. laps of the race at the, at the most. So, you know, it's it's hard to to bag on him for that and this super license BS and whatnot. And I mean, the rules are the rules, and yeah, I I think they should be followed. So if they don't grant her to an exception, I don't blame them. They're just following the stupid rules they put in place doesn't mean I like the rules. It's just, it is what it is. But if Herta went to F1, I know there's a bunch of people that I've talked to that maybe aren't big F1 fans, but if Colton went to F1, would give it a, you know, give it a watch. So, yeah, I think that would also, you know, be good. And plus... Do you doubt his abilities at all? I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff questioning, like, is he even good enough? Because his best finish in IndyCar is only third in the, what, 2020 championship? And that's to certain people on the internet. He's a very talented young driver. Like any young driver, he's made rookie mistakes or young driver mistakes. Is he a little too aggressive at some points? For sure. A hundred percent. But... Do I think he, given the chance, you know, to have a a, a year or a few at Alpha Towery before maybe he got promoted and, and goes to Big Red Bull or somewhere else? Sure, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, if we're taking out the ovals that are apparently his biggest problem, then then we've got a, a solution, you know, right there. F one, no ovals. Hey, I think. If he goes over and he shows that he's competitive, then I really hope that that uh, gives some credibility to the IndyCar crop of drivers for that European crowd who really just thinks IndyCar is a joke. Uh, because we saw Callum Eilat come out and say that uh, IndyCar is far more difficult than F2 and the competition's way closer. And I'm going to believe the guy who, what, finished second yeah. in F2? Also, the fact we have to have that discussion shows how ignorant some people are. But, you know, we'll save that for... Yeah, the whole just comparing the two of them, you don't need to do that. Like, I get that it pisses some people off, the value of the super license points. And, yeah, it kind of angers me as well. But complaining about that on Twitter is not going to get the FIA to change it. They don't care. You mean the FIA... So why fight with each other over about it? about the internet? 
Oh, I really doubt man, it. I've been doing it wrong for so many years. I, I, I don't think that's where they take their like their advice. Um, yeah, decisions. Yeah, that's, I don't think that's. I think they get advised by like. I think they use Twitter YouTube videos. Yeah, true. I mean, that's the more right. kind of mm-hmm, for rational sure. decision. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, I I hope that this ends up happening because. I kind of want to see all the people who are questioning him and um, are kind of like, no, you can't break the super license rules. Just get triggered by this. Yeah. It'd be fun. Let's go trigger people. Yeah, exactly. That should be the episode title right there. Let's go. Let's go trigger. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. It sounds good to me. I think he probably will. He has a totally different attitude than I think any of the F1 drivers right now. I don't know. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to watch. I hope that the car gets better for him as he goes and drives it. Yeah, but you know, we'll see. Scrolling late through the night on Twitter is very exhausting. But I am thankful that I was able to have my Java house this morning. Our friends at Java house, if you go to javahouse.com and use promo code pitlane10, you can get 10% off of all your cold brew Cold Brew Concentrate, Cold Brew K-Cups. They also have decaf cold brew on there as well and a few other things. I had a few this morning to get me going because I had to be up early and I don't like waking up early. If you're in the Indianapolis area, there's three locations, Broad Ripple, Carmel, and a new downtown location. So yeah, might might even record an episode from there in the off season when I'm actually Uh home for like more than three days at a time. Do they ship internationally? Do you know? Like for anyone who's listening internationally? I, I believe the answer is yes, but I, okay. I'll, I'm actually meeting with them tomorrow morning. So as of when you're listening to this, it'll have been two days ago. So I'll find out. I know they ship all over yes. the US, but you know, if any listeners in like Canada, UK. Yeah, wherever, I don't. I think so. They but I don't really coffee. know. All right. Well, we'll find out for you guys. So getting back to the news, we have found out that um, Porsche's Red Bull deal that we thought was a surefire thing is probably not going to happen. And you want to know why that is? Because people like Helmut Marco exist. No, I'm just oh. kidding. Uh, it's because... You got me all fired up there. <laughs> it's because uh, apparently the leadership at Red Bull... Uh, the Formula One team do not want Porsche to have any stake in the team. Whereas Dietrich Mateschitz, the, I guess, CEO who owns, I think, a majority share of the Red Bull F1 team, but the CEO of Red Bull, um, the European Red Bull, was pushing for this Porsche deal, probably because he wants to get out of F1 soon and Porsche will pay handily to acquire that team. But Oh, well, I mean, we've got Audi coming at least. So sorry, Porsche. I guess you kind of messed up. Snooze, you lose. Yeah, I don't really know why. I mean, they don't have a backup plan as far as I know. I'm curious what their next move will be. Yes, which I think is what you're alluding to. Well, they just don't want to be an engine partner, which that's what... Red Bull wants like you can ha- be our engine partner, but it sounds like Honda's just going to come back. So Honda, huh. I, I guess 
Uh, it sounds like it's on both sides. I mean, Porsche doesn't want to do this any other way than the way that they've kind of had in mind, and Red Bull doesn't want to let them do it that way. So it's not going to work when you have two sides who are unwilling yep. to meet in the middle. I got nothing for you on that one. Last couple bits of news are that Nick DeVries is set to do an FP1 outing for the third F1 team of this season. He is going to take Sebastian Vettel's seat at Aston Martin um, during Monza weekend coming up. I mean, good for Nick. Are we going to see him on the grid in 2023? Nope. You don't think so? Not even at Williams? Probably not. Okay. That's your prediction? That's your prediction. I have no idea. But he's getting a lot of attention from a lot of different teams, so we'll see. He could just be a reserve driver forever, I guess. Like Stoffel Van Dorn. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess he had an F1 career, but it didn't go so well. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about is the frickin' flares. Ah, yes. From this weekend. That was ridiculous. Like, I know we talked about it a little bit last weekend, but I'm very glad that they're going to try to ban those from now on. And so maybe I don't understand fully. They don't search people's bags or anything for yeah, events like this. It's mind-blowing when you have 60,000 people there that you're just like, yeah, you can come in, you can come in. Oh, what's that? A flare canister? Sure. Flare bazooka? Let's yeah. do it. That you threw onto the track? At least they, they got good video that of that one a... guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would have been such a major screw up from that guy if he had prevented uh max from getting pole by like delaying the session for too long yeah like the max fan screws max that it would have just been so such like amazing karma for that guy but yeah i hope that they just really get rid of these at every race i i i think it's only max's fans that appear to be doing it yes which makes it even worse but yeah, it's really nice. You guys, <laughs> stop, stop, just stop. I know the people who are doing that 99.9% likely are not listening to this, but please stop. True. Yeah, they listen to different podcasts. <laughs> they probably listened to the one that didn't give me a prize for winning the Fantasy League last year. Oh, shots fired. All right, so I love it. Now we can talk very briefly about Monza. I don't know. I am. Trying to look. Oh, you got the times? All right, go go for it. Yeah. So practice one is Friday at 8 a.m. Practice two is at 11 a.m. And then practice three is Saturday at 7, followed by qualifying at 10 a.m. And then the race is 9 a.m. on Sunday, September 11th. And I was wrong. There is no sprint this weekend. I didn't even notice. Yeah. So. And which is... I guess no one no one messaged you no, that. Nobody caught that in last week's episode. Shame on shame on everybody listening. No one maybe people caught it and just didn't tell us, but people don't like catch our mistakes or maybe they just don't tell us. Yeah, maybe they just write them down so they can they can get mad at me on Twitter 3 months later and tell me I'm un, I'm unprofessional. I have like a bulleted <laughs> list to send you. <laughs> like time stamped. Is Monza going to be a good race, you think? I am not sure because, I mean, these low downforce tracks, 
they don't seem to suit any car except the Ferrari and the Red yeah. I'm I'm ha- I'm I'm a little bit not super excited because the last few races have really been snoozers for the most part. And Monza, I don't think Monza ever really super exciting unless you have you know a red flag and Gasly winning you know something you know very unexpected like that that happens. Will Monza be better than Zandvoort? Probably. There's more passing opportunities at at Monza. It's an easier track, but there's there's a couple passing zones. Plus, you know, there's there's more straightaway. So it's it's certainly possible. I'll say it will be better. It'll be the best of the post summer break races so far. So you know, we're on third week in a row. I'm not gonna say it's the best of the year or anything, but it, it'll be a breath of fresh fresh air after the last few. Okay, I like the optimistic attitude. Yes. I'm I'm hoping it's the same and I hope Ferrari doesn't screw up on home turf and really disappoint all their Tifosi fans because I forgot to get to the Zandvoort incident with Carlos Sainz in the pits, the unsafe yeah. release, which was just like that was another Ferrari case of what are you doing? I mean, he said that I guess it hit anti-stall because the pits are too small. And so that Ocon showed up right there kind of sooner than he expected. But uh, I don't know. I mean, they they really ruined Science's race. I guess they just chose it was his weekend to uh, have all the bad luck. I'm not going to whine about Ferrari anymore, but yes, you are correct. So it's that means it's Leclerc's turn in Monza to have something go wrong? Does it alternate? I don't remember if it kind of goes that way or if it's like... One person for it's going to be it's going to be then it switches back. It's going to be both of them this weekend. They've had their share pretty equally of just getting screwed. Yeah, I think it's going to be both of them this weekend. They're just they're going to have, I don't know, they're going to be missing their front wing halfway through the race, and they're not going to have a spare or something because of the extra pressure. They're going to be trying harder at Monza. Yeah, maybe I could see that happening, and then Red Bull will just walk away with it, which will be boring. But hey. Dominance uh, is impressive to watch, regardless of, uh, you know, kind of losing interest it because the, there's no championship battle. It's still impressive to see Max just go on a tear. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, these, these, it's, it's happened more times than not where we've had championships that aren't close in F1. But seeing Max, you know, start 14th. Last was that uh, last weekend in Spa, and you know yeah. end up winning easily this weekend, winning <laughs> relatively easily, and putting a masterclass move on on Hamilton on that pass. Sometimes gets lost in the this season is so boring, nothing's happening mindset that we tend to have. I feel like all the action has been happening off the track. Yes, this that would probably be accurate as well. Yeah, last season was all about the on-track battle, and this season has just been absolutely chaotic in terms of just silly season and the craziness that's going on in the background. So Drive to Survive will be good for those of you who watch, probably. Yeah. You know, I still haven't watched this year's Drive to Survive. I, Me neither. I don't care. Anyway... I, g- I gave up because I don't know the 
after everybody started coming out and saying that it's like so manufactured. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I knew I knew, always knew it was, but I don't know. I guess just the fact that it was so obvious and in my face that everyone was saying that made me kind of want to not watch it anymore. Yeah. All right. One question, and then we'll get to predictions and wrap this up. Max Verstappen has 10 wins. The season record is 13. Is Max going to tie the record or beat the record? Yeah, I think he's going to beat it. Well, we have eight races left. Six, seven Something races like left. Six or seven. So I think it's seven, yeah. All right, predictions. Yeah. One inside the top ten. We have, we have seven races left. So, yeah. <laughs> he has ten? Yeah, it's ten. Ten wins. Right now? Okay, I'd be surprised if he doesn't win at least, like, four or five yeah. of the next yeah. seven. All right. When When's he going to clinch the championship? He he can't do which it. round? I don't know which one is He can't do it before Singapore. I did see that. Okay, so he's not going to do yeah. it this weekend, yeah. even if he wins. But is he just going to clinch it at Singapore then? I'll say the one after Singapore. All right, yeah. so Suzuka. Yeah, give that Honda love. Okay. Or the quote-unquote yeah, Honda love. Yeah, you know love. what? They might... Yeah. Okay. Suzuka was where they used to end the championship a lot of years. So now we are big. getting to predictions. Start it off. It. All right. So yep. the same as last week. Okay. Um, in the top 10, I, I cannot resist George Russell at this point. I mean, he is pretty dreamy. I get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah you know what i meant but yes okay <laughs> i will take sergio perez all right when you have that good of a car you better better use it uh outside the top 10 this is, keeps getting harder because the gap between kind of the haves and the have-nots is expanding yes i think um Oh, you know what? I'm going to pick Alex Albon because isn't the Williams like super fast in a straight line? Supposedly. Yeah, so um, not Latifi. All right, I will take this. Is, this is real painful. I'll take Lance Stroll. I, yeah, I know, right? What? Yeah, that, that hurt. That's actually a good pick. Yeah. And I hate yeah, to admit that. It hurt. Okay. Who's your elimination in Q2? Um, I think that's going to be Yuki. I will take Ricardo. Okay. Yep. That's probably going to happen. Well, you know what? It might be surprising if he makes Q2, to be honest at this point. And I'm not trying to be mean. It's just been really bad. All right. Well, Sorry for the pause there for a moment. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed listening. Enjoy the race this weekend. If you watch Laguna for IndyCar, enjoy that too. If you watch NASCAR, if there's a NASCAR race this weekend, enjoy that. There always, always, there always is. is. Yeah. Just enjoy whatever you want to enjoy this weekend. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because 
The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.